Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Unexplained World Internet Radio Broadcast with your host, Edward Cheney, a paranormal, spiritual observer, and psychic reader, along with Annette, a high priestess and psychic reader. The Unexplained World is a location where the border between the natural and supernatural may become nothing more than fuzzy, so enjoy. Hello, listeners. You're listening to the Sunday, September 23rd broadcast of the Unexplained World. I'm Edward Shanahan, your host with Annette, your hostess. Hello, Annette. Hello, Ed. Good evening. How you doing, kid? I'm just great. How are you? I'm doing good. Hey, uh, I was looking up at the moon. It's becoming full. That means uh, this time of year it's a harvest moon, doesn't it? That's right. It's, it's waxing, we say. <laughs> it's waxing. What do you mean by it's waxing? When the moon grows full, you call that waxing. And okay. when it when it uh, disappears to a new moon, you call that waning. Okay. And a harvest moon would mean to many what? Well, um, a lot of times Native Americans would uh, honor a harvest moon because they would gather, oh, crops, corn, um, able to have good hunting of the light of a full moon. Okay. This would be the time of their last harvest. Cool. Great. Great. So, uh, sorry for the questions. <laughs> That's okay. Hey, who is he being interviewed here anyway? <laughs> um, yeah, why don't you tell the listeners who our guest is? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, tonight our guest is our very own Edward Shanahan. <laughs> bump, bump, bump. Go ahead. <laughs> Ching. Um, um, well, and you're going to be throwing out some questions to me. I'll do my best to answer them. Also, yeah. listeners, if you are interested and asking me some questions, possibly maybe if you have some questions on the psychic type of reading that you would like a reading, a specific question about you or somebody else, uh, feel free to call 646-915-9653. That's 646-915-9643. Five three. Okay. Five three, yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, Annette, it's, this is basically the first time I've you know, put myself out here for doing something like this. That's um, right. Yeah. Would you like to, well, let's see. We have a, uh, looks like we may have a caller right off the bat. Should uh, I go okay. with them or do you want to? Okay. No, let's, let's see what the public wants to know about Edward Chanham. Okay. All right. Hello, 773-208. Oh, you guys do not. Do you want me to put you on mute? Do you want me to put you on mute or do you want to be on here? 
No, no, no. I'll be on for a little bit. How's that? Okay. I can't um, hear you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Shanahan. I know, but I can't even snoop around. Isn't it terrible? <laughs> well, now we got a we got a new switchboard here with uh, um, Blog Talk Radio, and it's it's pretty neat. Nothing's jumping around or anything. So, bang and a boom, I get to see who comes in. I did not bang and a boom, and it's a vicious thing. <laughs> I didn't get the. I didn't recognize your uh, the phone number, Cass. So uh, that's all right. All right, <laughs> um, it. That's why. Okay. Um, Can go, I ahead, go for I, it, here, Ed. Okay, yeah, I'll fire ahead. away. Um, now, Ed, um, I know that you pretty much started your your journey um, with some healing that you did for a loved one. Am I am I right about that? Um, I would have to say mm, it goes beyond that. Okay, journey, tell us where your tell us where that journey started. The journey actually started. Uh, I was feeling I was being drawn to whatever. I didn't know what the answers were. I went to psychics. I went to you know, uh, basically some of the readers that were at Sanctuary Crystals. Okay, and I kept on getting the same answer. Oh, you will know it when it's time. Well, okay. Who's a psychic, all right? Um, I'm visiting you. I'm looking for answers, and I'm getting a, so basically a question. Okay. So I went wandering and still looking like many people do, and some way, somehow, I came across you, okay? okay. Or you at the location you were working out of as far as the place you owned, potions, and... Uh, Went in there, and you and I met, I don't even know how, how long ago that would be now, probably a good five or six years, and you, I was just basically asking questions. You were giving me answers. There was no, um, you know, trying to persuade me to, you know, follow any type of faith or path, and uh, it was a good learning experience. It became a very good um, learning experience to how special your beliefs are or the Wiccan pagan beliefs are. And it's very special. It's, it's, it's actually beautiful. I've witnessed some of the rituals, and I like to say that basically we all fall under a unity of faith. Um, don't judge another if you don't want to be judged. So that, you know, I got questions, you know, somewhat answered there. It just made me dig deeper. And then I came across Amy, who is a Native American, and uh, she more or less opened me up. And I have to say that's the hardest thing for somebody to accept if you want to cross over. She opened me up to somewhat realize things. In the meantime, I had, or my granddaughter was very ill, and Kathy could, you know, contest to this. And by the medication she was taking, yeah, it was good for what she had, but yet there was a high percentage of a possibility that would cause other problems. So to me it was like a lose-lose battle considering the fact at the time of what type of test they want to do on her. So I went to a location, the Miracle Child's gravesite, Chicago's Miracle, the Holy Sepulchre. And um, I, I pray. And, um, you know, it's very overwhelming when you walk in there with your head 
hung down for being humble and because of what you're going to ask for. And you see the shrine, the beautiful shrine that people basically created for this, you know, Chicago Miracle Child, Mary Alice Quinn. I did my praying, my wishes, and um, that the following day or whatever my granddaughter was, she was in reverse isolation because of basically a cold and uh, held her in my hands. And I basically offered up my life for she to have one because I've lived, you know, as you know, and I've lived many uh, lives in one lifetime. Yes. And so, um, you know, fine. Take, you know, I consider God's little angel. And um, I think Kathy knows that day that I stood there with her in my arms in the hospital room. And I guess, Kathy, would you agree within three weeks, um, you know, through all the prayer that everybody else was doing and everything else, um, doctors said she was cured. It was was a long journey, you know. It was a miracle. Yeah, don't minimize the amount of time that she had had this, but it definitely was a miracle. I mean, mean, since that day, we have not had any more incidences. As a matter of fact, Mariah had what you call cyclic neutropenia. It's an inability to produce white blood cells, which... In a child, you know, especially I mean, if they can go outside and play, you can imagine a little child just nicking their finger on um, a, a, a swing or whatever is deadly to a child that has that disease. And there's no explanation sometimes why it happens. Or sometimes, you know, with some children, it's, they're just born that way. And in a lot of ways, Mariah was, and it was through her mother's diligence that she kept saying there's something wrong, there's something wrong for a child to be as sickly as she was all the time. I mean, a cold for her was a deadly experience. Um, a little, um, I think it was like a pimple that showed up on her chest turned into being, a, you know, this huge cyst that had to be cut out of her. At, I mean, she was just a teeny baby. It was the most horrendous experience. But I have to admit, that's right. I mean, I, I, I saw the, the humbling and the um, awe of what had happened you know, when she was pronounced cured. I mean, because this baby had to have, and I mean, we you know, we all know children get shots when they're little, but imagine yourself as a mother, I'm sure, giving your shot, um, giving your baby a shot, having to hold her and pin her down for a shot three times a week, a shot that costs $1,500 each time oh. for her to have that shot because it was originally developed with children who have leukemia. And, um, and the only downfall about it is there hasn't been enough studies done to know, you know, what it might cause for her in the future, you know. But she would have suffering from, you know, horrible bone pain and things like that. But, I mean, that's right. I mean, it was a very humbling experience for him, and it did change him in a lot of ways after, you know, that happened. So I will attest to that. You're so right. You did change a lot. And it's, yeah, I, uh, thought, I thought that was the turning point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I've had a lot of turning points. I mean, he's so very humble about himself, but in his, you know, and we all have in our life's journeys, and I'm supposing if you take a few minutes and you really look at your life and you wonder, you know, the different, I think we all say levels. Some of us say steps. Some of us say turning points. Some of us say other things. But, you know, we all have significant things that occur or happen in our lives that changes. And Ed, for one, is, um, you know, I, I mean, in a lot of ways I admire Ed. He's not afraid to get put himself out there and, you know, no matter how silly he might look or no matter how stupid other people might think he is, he's not afraid to, to put himself out there because he doesn't want to look back and say, what, a, what if 
could have, you know, those kinds of things. So in a lot of ways, I admire you uh, that way, you know, not just because I'm your wife, but because in some ways it's inspired me to not want to be afraid to take that step forward. There's some things that I just won't do. You know that. But, I mean, you have your, you have so many different milestones before this that just led you into different directions. And I think the different directions have finally led you to the point where you knew where you needed to go. And I think that's what you should give yourself credit for because you still did the things that you should have probably not have done, but you learned from them. You didn't let them become your downfall. Do you know what I mean? Oh. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> well, wow, that's a great testimony there, Ed. <laughs> uh, so basically what my, if you want to say, my giving back is to show people that there is a spiritual side, a um, a side, you know, even miracles can be had. If, and I say this is a big if, if it truly comes from the heart and soul, okay? Some people will go, oh, I wish, you know, and if, you know, like I said, I was willing to give up my own life, okay? For so you this. believe that it comes from within yourself? Uh, I, the miracle with, itself, I believe it's heard stronger that way, okay, a power okay. request. So it's, it's um, a team effort between the divine or whatever. And all involved. I mean, you know, at times yeah. people come to our Yao group. You had uh, a prayer a prayer list. Um, mm-hmm. And I believe, you know, let's put it this way. If I came, if I went to Walmart in the, you know, and they should be open, but they're not. And I knock on the window. Eh, who's going to hear it? But if we got 20, 30 people knocking on the window at the same time and the same, um, the same effort being put into it, it's going to be heard. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's a, right. simple, that's a simple explanation. But the more involved, the more it's coming from people's hearts, the stronger I believe it will be heard. And it still, it still is the final decision of whoever your higher power is. You've got to realize that, too. Okay. Good analogy with the Walmart thing. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> we were now, just there today. So. <laughs> <laughs> Banging on the window, right? <laughs> well, you know why? Because he knows I'm so fast. He's like, he's amazed. I'm in and out. That's it. Let's go. <laughs> I can't stand shopping. Let's just do it. <laughs> and I didn't even get through all the magazines yet. But. There, see? Okay. I told you. Okay. So, Ed, would you say that the gifts that you use um, as a psychic reader um, when you're feeling the different energies that you can feel, the different things that you pick up in different events and situations, do you feel like that is a gift from your higher spiritual gu- guidance or... Um, there is a book out called The Promised Power, okay? I would recommend people picking it up. Uh, yes, it's written by a Christian. It's written by a Christian teacher. And, um, but he does write in there. We all have, we've all been promised the power to do so, okay? Um, and it's amazing that somebody in his caliber has actually come out to say this, um, and equals stuff in the Bible, okay? Um, so we all, wait, let me stop you. We all have the power to do so to be psychic? 
the power to well, heal, the power to um, okay, healing, prophesize, okay. and stuff like that. Yes. Okay. Um, it's a very good book. I would highly recommend it for people to read, no matter what faith you are. Um, thus, even if you're not of the Christian faith, it may shock you that it goes, wow, they're actually believing this. Um, they're they're actually kind of pushing the Native American, the pagan and Wiccan, Wicca um, way of thinking of some of that abilities. So that's that. Um, the question again, please repeat it. Is sure, I was just asking, on? where do you think that those gifts, because that's how I look at them, like, you know, my mm-hmm. psychic abilities are gifts. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious if you think that those, where do those gifts come from? I believe they're internal knowledge. I believe also, um, as we talked in the past, of course, you do past life readings. I believe that, um, you know, in the old soul, young soul, middle of the world soul type of thing, that the older the soul, the more internal knowledge you have. And the more internal knowledge you have, yeah, it's a gift, but a gift that's been presented to everybody. Um, it's it's the level in which I'm just this has come from internal internal. Yeah, it's right. the the level that you're at, and that you're willing to reach in and use it. Okay, um, I'm basically like I said just a little bit ago. I'm basically using it in a form, in a way to say thank you and to show people, especially the skeptics, that there is a spiritual world, that there is a spiritual side. Okay. I hope that helps explain it somewhat. No, I think that it does, absolutely. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the different kinds of psychic work that you do, Um, the readings, the circle of energy, uh, healing potential. Okay. Let's start with circle of energy. Uh, the circle of energy came upon um, my knowledge as a last resort. Um, we were at a location that it didn't pan out the way it was supposed to. And I had this um, internal feeling, a message kind of, as I call them, that says, Ed, go do this. And so I took the group of people out into the woods, parts of the woods. It's, uh, it was Native American um, territory at one time, years back, in Willow Springs. And I just basically told everybody to, you know, I created a circle, basically with those that were sensitive. Uh, we had Shannon there, Angelina at the time. Um, and then... I basically um, asked or the spirits to show some signs to give the skeptics and the individuals there the knowledge or the experience to know that there are spirits. People were actually seeing orbs with their naked eye. Okay. Coming down through the hills and stuff like that. So um, we did three of those last that night. We're actually going back to the same location um, Saturday, no, Sunday, the 29th, and it will be the first time back in that area since about two years ago. So, uh, and me doing a circle of energy. Um, the, the palm reading, as I tell everybody, anybody can learn palm reading. It's, 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 
it's in books. It goes back to ancient Chinese time, I think you would agree on that. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> the knowledge of doing I think all cultures read palms in some way or another. Yeah, yeah. the Indians did it. The Native Americans did it. I got a book. Uh, Kathy it's, it's, knows knows I have it's a, it's an encyclopedia and I go to her I go this is as confusing as heck because it's got the Chinese the American you know if you want to call it Northwestern mm-hmm. and the Native American way of reading palms and it's like who's right you know what I'm saying so um a very very it's an encyclopedia very thick book uh, a lot of knowledge there but then you got to go by your own instincts of what you feel fits you okay um so and you, um, that was that was what you kind of started with wasn't it oh yeah and you were there i believe the day we did uh, i i ventured into the uh psychometry one-on-one where i put the people the person's hand between both of mine uh what it was was a reading we were at ashbury you were there uh-huh. and it goes back to when luann Lu- was with us and i was doing a palm reading and something has told me, Luann, put your hand between both of mine. And I started giving her information that I was picking up uh, through her with her hand bet- between both of mine that kind of blew her mind. One thing specifically <coughs> she knew. So it was like, wow, you know, this may be, you know, I may be onto something. So I started doing that more and more. That's become more of a, more something I like to do over doing palm readings. I'll start out with the palm. I will definitely go into the psychometry because even people feel my energy, they say, going up their arm or whatever, um, seeking out answers, I guess you could say, right. or questions. Then I, after doing that for a while, give them a reading, I tell them, you know, if they have any questions, feel free to ask me then because I firmly believe all answers are within individuals. Okay? Okay. Period. Um, Reprogrammed, perhaps? <laughs> it's, the, it's, it's the answers. Everybody knows. Everybody basically have the answers inside themselves if it's about them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> some just don't want to look at them. Some can't see them at times. Uh, some leave them go by and not recognize them in their own dreams or dream messages. So then what happened was I was at a lady's house and uh, did a home reading for her, and she started talking about her husband who was there and who was dead but was still, she felt, was there and stuff like that. Okay. And something, this, it was instinct, something said, do you have an item of his still? And she said, yeah. She brought down about three shirts that, personal items that he would wear. And I read them. I blew her mind, blew my mind, and that's where the psychometry or conscious channeling with items of loved ones who've passed away started. Now, that that has become popular. Um, Matter of fact, last Saturday when we were at the Humphrey House of last week, um, it was was strange. Uh, I was there with Ursula, and we had our group of people there. We did some of the hauntings, some of the location of the house, and before we did the final circle of energy, we decided that that would be a good time because we're offering this to you know, the people that come out. Good time to do the, the readings of items of loved ones who passed away. And so 
<clears throat> it was cute. Ursula, you know, we had the table there. Ursula goes to the whole group, uh, about 12 or 14 people. Well, you know, while Ed's doing this, you all could go wander the house and, you know, use the tools and stuff like that. Well, nobody left. <laughs> Everybody sat there. Um, I guess that was more interesting than at the moment than the haunted house. So I basically I basically did the reading for an audience of each individual, and it went over. It worked. So that may be something done in the future. So. Oh, interesting! I didn't even know that. See, interviews are good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, tell you what. Talking about the Humphrey House, um, yes. tell us a little bit about how you first got started. Uh, being interested in the paranormal and doing oh what I'm going to call ghost hunts. You might like to try, call them a different name. But what, where was it that you first got started with ghost hunting, for lack of a better term? Well, um, let's put it this way. As a teenager, you know, I'm sorry, you know, back at least in my time, um, there was no, you know, thought of spirits and all that. It was just basically in probably your time, too, and that I think there's maybe 10 years difference. Uh, yeah, it was a spook- <laughs> Yeah, it was a spooky fun, okay? Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Hey, let's go out tonight for some spooky fun. Okay. Sure. So, uh, of course, the first place, which was for many people in this area that I live in, was Bachelor's Grove. Ugh. Now, um, I was, what was I, Kath? What was I, 17? You were 17 and I was 16. And you were 16. 16. Yeah. Yeah. Never been kissed. So. Oh, don't um, even start. <laughs> so what we did, I talked her into going there. I talked Dave into going there, my buddy. Uh, because I used to hear it on Daddy Schwartz's show at night when he would have Richard Crow on there. So it's like, wow, you know, we live close to this place. Let's go out there. And back then, in like 75, I guess you'd say, it was you were only able to drive in there and you had to back out. At least you were able to drive back there to Bachelors Grove. Oh, Kathy panicked. She's on. Panicked? I begged you to take me out of there. And we did. Begged you. Yeah, we did. And no, not, before, so, not before you tortured me a little bit. Oh. Yes, you did. I laid on the seat of the car. Crying. I was scared to death. I begged him to take it. It was horrible. The feelings I was having were awful. Just so awful. Of course, then of one night brings on another, so me and Dave decided to go back there on our own without Casey. And uh, we we got out there. We followed the headlights. We parked the car. We followed the the uh, high beams of the headlight, and it was basically leading us toward the lagoon over there because uh, we didn't have no flashlights or nothing. And we're walking, and we come within about six feet of the lagoon, and we don't move for whatever reason. And all of a sudden, um, we hear footsteps coming from the lagoon, Heavy footsteps, like with wet shoes and that, but nobody was there in front of us. So, of course, we ran out of there. We must have looked like Alan Costello, you know, jumped in the car. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> oh, that's cute. Okay. Yeah, and uh, gunned it out of there and stuff. So the next day, of course, we went back there in the day, and we got to see, by light, the true Bachelors Grove Cemetery, which then is was different than it is today. Was it they, more like a true cemetery? Yeah, but had you know some what? It, to it? No, it didn't. Okay. It still looked the same, but there's a calmness there today. There really is. 
Okay. Um, back then, no. It was, and it could have been because we were teenagers, it was spooks though, okay? But today, there's more, there's, that feeling that was felt back then can be now felt at Archer Woods Cemetery, okay? Right. Over on Keene Avenue, where you really feel the, the raw feelings at Bachelors Grove is when you go beyond the cemetery. You cross the creek and keep on walking. And it's a proven fact that they used to hold satanic rituals there. But I think we've, you know, we've come across the area it was held at, and even Amy feels it was held there because nothing grows in this one section. And one day as we sat out there and just watched the deer, the deer totally avoided this section of area in this part of the location of, you know, beyond Bachelors Grove. So, okay, that was my first, basically, experience. As you become older, you become wiser. Um, I was drawn toward the paranormal, so listened to the shows at night. And basically what it is now is to actually, people want to experience something. So let them experience the spirits, the spiritual side. I'm a firm believer we got spirits all around us. If I wanted to, I could probably bring up spirits here. You know, you know of homes that have spirits still in them. Sure. Loved ones. Don't mean the people died there, but doesn't mean that who's ever in a house has not brought a loved one back just because the loved one loves them, if yeah. that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. The desire um, to have their presence, absolutely. Or protection, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Um, I'm a firm believer. If you're going to pray, don't forget the ones, don't forget to pray to the ones who were your loved ones who have passed away because they will always be there. So ask them too. Very interesting. That's ancient Chinese also. Is it? <laughs> Native American as well, yes. I didn't know that. To pray to your ancestors that they become as gods, more or less. Well, let's put it this way. They could probably get the message across faster than, you know, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I Since understand. already sure. there. Yeah. That's just the way I look at it. I keep, I try to keep things very simple. Um, there's, there's internal knowledge that isn't simple, but basically for the general public you and i could probably sit down and talk deep if somebody actually showed a true interest yes we'll sit down and talk deep but you know general public just needs to believe basically yes now is there a particular um uh, time when you were having the paranormal experience and it was the most memorable, the time that you felt, oh, not the most scared or the most sensationalized, but the most, oh, in contact with the spirit realm. Um, I don't know. Would you consider, see, I can't consider the readings with the, one, the items of, you know, loved ones who passed away. That would probably have to be the most closest, I feel, with the spiritual side. 
for the sake okay. for the fact I'm telling people stuff that you know only way I know is by being told myself. So I by I would, the spirit you know, by the, the spirit is more or less like acting as a channel. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. To speak and, directly to their loved one. Okay. Yes. I That's mean, very like interesting. The the woman brought um, when we were there um, at the Humphrey House. I'm, I almost went blank. She brought a um, she brought glasses of her grandfather's. Okay. Yeah. I held them in my hand. I looked at her and I said, "The name Marge is coming to me." She almost fell off the chair. And her friends all gasped because her mother's name is Marge. Okay. <laughs> and uh, it's like, whoa. You know, I still go, whoa. All right. Because um, you don't take nothing for granted with this at all. Because And I think we have to change the name psychometry for you. There's a new, you got to come up with a new name for this thing that you do because when you read the object, it's the impressions that the object picked up his travels that a psychometrist reads. Mm. You're saying that those that have passed away, the spirits whose those objects belong to are the ones who are coming to you and giving you information. Am I following that right? Right, yes. Well, you are not a psychometrist then, my friend. <laughs> I don't, well, did You're you, a channel, a medium. Well, somebody, somebody says that's where somebody said in the past you're conscious channeling. So, um... Yeah. I mean, the the idea of holding the objects of a past level, I mean, to say psychometry, people understand what that is very quickly. So, I mean, that's not like a wrong term, but I think you could be more refined. I mean, I think that it's bigger than psychometry. Okay, girl, you refine me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think you're you're a medium. You're channeling. Um, yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. Here, I've been thinking no, no. you're doing psychometry all along. No, I don't know what to say. Um, there was okay. a girl, there was a lady um, in Ashbury last, or not Ashbury, at Champs. Um, last time I was there doing readings, she sat down, she brought me her grandmother's ring, okay. I believe it was, diamond ring that she wore all the time. Now, this will be my final example, and that and you take it from there, or email me or whatever on what I should do with this. And I'm reading it, and I go to her, I, I said, I'm picking up that your grandmother received great joy in the times you had together with, you know, you had with her with baking. I don't know why, but I'm receiving it. The lady started crying because <clears throat> her grandmother had severe diabetes. Her yeah. grandmother loved to cook, but her grandmother went blind. At the age of 11, because, you know, the girl was interested in that, the girl became the eyes and hands for her grandmother. Okay. They would, the grandmother would instruct her on what to do because grandmother loved it and knew it all by memory, and the girl would do it. And the girl loved being her eyes and hands. Oh, how special. And, uh, yeah, that was a special reading. It was just to see the look that comes across these people's faces when you're doing this. Um, It's very, um, 
it's very, it's a very good feeling being the one that's able to provide them that information. So that's really I don't touching. Know, <laughs> I don't know what you want to call it. Um, so you work on that, okay? I will. I will do that. Um, do we want to pause here and give some yeah. announcements of things that are coming up, Ed? Yeah, since it, we only have 23 minutes left. Um, people yeah. also, go ahead and dial in while we're making these announcements if you have any questions you'd like to ask Ed. That's 646-915-9653. Okay. Thank you, Annette. All right. Mm -hmm. Let's see what we have coming up. Ba -ba 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 -ba. I'm looking at the web page. Okay. This Thursday night, September 27th, Psychic Readings. Join me, Rhonda, and Patty at Jesse's Lounge at 105th and Ridgeland Avenue in Chicago Ridge, Illinois. The time is from 6.30 p.m. till 10 p.m. No set fees, gift, and love offerings to the reader of your choice. I will be doing the POM Psychometry one-on-one -on -one and the Conscious Channeling or Medium Reading, is, and that's the term is you know, yeah. looking more at it as, <laughs> with items of a loved one who's passed away. Bring your loved one's items. Uh, Rhonda does multi-tarot deck readings. Patty does crystal ball, pendulum, and also tarot readings. Then, uh, let's see, Monday night, October 1st, the first Monday of every Monday, I will be doing readings in at Champs in Burbank at 6501 West 79th Street from 7 to 10 p.m. Again, gifts or love offerings, <clears throat> and uh, as there's no set fees, and I will be doing what I do there. Um, let's see, we jump to, that's October, right, I said? All right, October then we jump days. into the haunted Northwest Indiana Dunes area. Um, <clears throat> night, which will be Saturday, Saturday, October 6th, from 7.30 p.m. start to who knows what time. Uh, join Annette giving the Paranormal History tour and walks of the locations with me, and we will also do my circle energy at one or two of the locations. The locations are Diana the Dunes Bailey Cemetery, which has a nice walk through a cemetery that last time I think we went through there... Uh, there's a couple spooky, you know, spots we came across, at least uh, where we stopped to listen. Uh, the Tree of Death, and it's possible to hide the old farmhouse. The Devil's Bridge, which is a new location for us, and a new location called the Haunted McGinnis Pub, and it's top floor. Uh, tour starts about 20 minutes from the Illinois-Indiana border in northwest Indiana. Uh, we will be walking the area of the lake of Lake Michigan and also through the woods, to the cemetery. Bring your flashlights and walking shoes and if you desire paranormal tool, tools. Like I said, it's Saturday, October 6th. Starts 7.30 p.m. Uh, once you you live, Annette, right there around the dunes area, so yeah. you know that's why you're the historian of what has gone on there in the past. You can sign up yeah, at the website. I was going to say, you know, there, that Bailey Cemetery is also... Mm -hmm. um, known to be Indian burial ground. That's what kind of makes it really special. And I have some new information about that that I just got from an old-timer who lives in the neighborhood. So, Cool, cool. Yes. We'll keep it to that night. Um, yes. This event will be limited to the first 10 people to purchase a spot. We've already got uh, some 
some filled. I believe there's only a, a handful left. So if you're interested, please sign up, and you'll be given then the directions to where we will meet um, with Annette for that night. Okay, that was October 6th. Let's see what else we got coming up. Um, of course, September 30th is Frankie's Roadhouse. That's full uh, with me and Ursula Bielski. Then we have the, let's see, um, yes, the Weathermark. Okay, That's the 19th? Yes, October 19th. Uh, Friday night, October 19th, Psychic Readings. At We are back at the Weathermark south of downtown Chicago at 1503 South Michigan Avenue, Chicago, Illinois, 60605, in case you want to look it up on Google or something. And this night, and that will be uh, first time in a, a, a little while that you'll be out in the Chicagoland area doing that readings with true. me. That is true. And yeah, you'll, be doing past, <laughs> you'll be doing past life readings, runes, yeah. and tarot readings. Um, so for those that are interested in the past, maybe we'll even get you on our show doing some past life readings again. But for those that are interested and have their past, past lives known to them, um, come on out that night. We also have Patty doing crystal ball, pendulum, and tarot readings. Rhonda doing multi-deck tarot readings and me doing what I do um, at these at these readings. Uh, Chicago Ghost Convention then is Saturday, October 27th. We will be there. Again, Annette, what you do in past life readings, runes, and tarot readings. Me doing palm psychometry and uh, the readings with items of the loved ones who passed away. Rhonda also do um, multi-deck readings there. This is becoming a big event, a lot of speakers, a lot of known speakers on the paranormal side. If you're interested, again, go to theunexplainedworld.com, look up the events section. October 20th, I'll be in Woodstock doing readings. So uh, I'm pretty... Myself, I'm pretty booked. I'm even doing some talks at some Catholic, believe it or not, Catholic schools uh, for the mother's clubs and that. So uh, Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we also have what we call pick-a-night psychic readings. Bring your friends together and have a night of psychic readings without the hassles of putting it together at your home and yet enjoy the service and entertainment for, for provided by others. Um, either contact me or even contact the net on that, and I'm sure... For those in uh, northern Indiana, she could, you know, find a location. And I definitely have one or two, you know, that I have at my access here in the Chicagoland area. So uh, that is something else we're offering. So it's a full agenda coming up. Um, let me also mention Saturday and Sunday, November 10th and 11th, the Haunted Bed and Breakfast in Haunted Woods out near Star of Rock. A lot is planned. This is uh, a Beyond the Veil date with me and Ursula. Um, there's only a couple beds left. you got the campground area and everything else. And also what she just added is non-overnight passes, which means you can also come out if you can't you know, swing spending the night. So for those who are interested in this uh, location, which I'm dying to get to, and hopefully I don't die there, because um, they don't say dying. <laughs> uh, well, it's the haunted woods, kid, and I, you know, I mentioned before I was, I had dream messages of finding a location like this, a haunted bed and breakfast, and 
<clears throat> Looks like well, we may have found it. So mm-hmm. that's it for leading us up to November. And uh, December 8th, we got the, the ghost of Christmas past Chicago uh, would be on the veil. Um, so the best bet is go to Unexplained World, go into the events section. You'll see the listings of everything going on. Come out, have your past life readings done by Annette on October 19th at the Weathermark. That's a Friday night. And uh, we got a link to uh, more of a description beyond the veil and stuff like that. Anything you want to throw in there? I think you covered it all. Yeah. If anybody wants to get a hold of me for phone readings, it's fairyring yeah. at hughes.net. And that could be past life, regular tarot readings, or whatever. Exactly. So, okay. Um, and the past lives are very interesting. And Annette does very good tarot readings, too. So you've been doing them for how long about now? The tarot readings? Mm-hmm. A long time, 15 years probably, something like that. Wow, you're almost yeah. rested, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> another uh, another five years and uh, you'd be vested. So, uh, <laughs> if it was a union. Uh, oh, yeah, right. Yeah. The reader's yeah. union. That'd be really fun. I should start doing that. <laughs> yeah, I think there should be one, shouldn't there? Um, uh-huh. Okay, we got a couple calls. Let's see what we got. All right. Uh, area code three two five four three six. Area code three two five four three six. Hello, hello. Hey, uh, this is me, Andrew. How you doing, Andrew? I'm doing good. I have a couple of questions, actually. Go ahead. Uh, one one could be for Annette, and the other could be um, for you. I've been doing some terror reading for people. I have noticed. If I can't read for people, let's say if people come there, come to me for readings or they want me to write down their questions, I will be writing down their questions, but I have to put their first name down because after when I get done reading, reading the cards, I won't re- remember what I'm writing. Or if I'm reading in person, I won't remember what I'm saying. Then after when I come, when I get done with the reading, I can just go back to a normal conversation. And your question is? Uh, I mean, was, what what is going on there? Because I've been doing this for a, while, for a while since I'm working with my teacher online. So okay, you're, now you're, you're the almost, tarot Sure. You're almost like blacking out, more or less. Do you remember the reading itself? Uh, I, I remember what I'm doing. Like, say, if I'm, if I'm shuffling the cards, um, I can tell if it's positive or negative, but then when I start reading, I get impressions, then after the reading I won't remember anything. Same thing when I'm writing them out for people. So is it automatic writing? Are you writing without conscious effort? I I don't know what's the difference. Well, if you put a pen to paper and you intend to write something down to keep notes for yourself, or are, uh, um, are you scribbling on the paper and words come when you're not consciously trying to write words down? See, that's what I'm trying to figure out because there's... I have to if put, that's the case, that's called automatic writing. Okay. So that's, you know, whatever you think that your powers are, you know, whether it's a spirit guide that's helping you or whether you think it comes directly from a deity or whether you think it's just the power of yourself then, but it's that, that subconscious level that's having you write things down. 
probably the same thing that's happening if you can't remember the reading itself, the, the, what words you say to the people. So, so, I mean, I, a form of channeling? Essentially. Hmm. I, I also try um, scrying one time. Um, notice, I, I don't mess with scrying that much, but I'm tempting to go back and try. I notice I get into a relaxed state and I see, I notice these things appear in my arc field that they form shapes and sometimes I would see by something that would flash behind me. Then when I see something flash, then I that loses my concentration and I come back to a normal state. Well, you're doing it right what, then. What I would suggest, too, and this is for anybody and everybody out there, is I, I actually have a black mirror myself. And I think I told Annette about three years ago <laughs> when I got it. It's still sitting in the bag, okay, that I received it in. And the reason why is my internal feelings tell me, and that you, you agree or disagree, that when you step across that line to use something like that, you better have somebody sitting next to you that is already well-learned in doing it. Um, and that's why I hesitate to bring it out because my internal feelings is this is a little bit stronger than just going in there and jumping in and doing it. Um, do you agree on that, on that, or am I being a little too cautious? Um, normally, you are not cautious. <laughs> Just go ahead and jump in. Maybe in this case, you are actually being a little too cautious. Um, the work I've done with scrying and of many books that I've read on the subject by all different thinkers mm -hmm. um, pretty much say that what you're doing is you're tapping into your own subconscious. You're putting yourself in an altered state, essentially. Um, mm -hmm. When you focus on something that's a dark, reflective surface for a very long, extended period of time, you're yeah. actually putting yourself into an altered state so that you may be on that plane of existence where spirits are, essentially, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, you, I would think, you would go into scrying for a purpose to speak with a, a specific loved one. There, I don't think you need somebody holding your hand or sitting next to you at all. If you're okay. going in to speak to, oh, a, a parent who's passed away or a good friend or something like that, I think you're mm -hmm. fine. Now, okay. if you go in and do the old proverbial <laughs> big no-no and just go, okay, whoever's out there, come on. Well, frankly, you know me what I would be doing, so I'm probably... Yeah, so, <laughs> let's, so let's not do that. That I would caution yeah. against in well, every instance. Ouija boards, scrying, anything. Okay. Well, the thing is that I'm able, you know, uh, earlier when I was first calling in, I would say I'm able to see ours. Normally in the morning I would see my own R, and sometimes uh, out of curiosity, I'm, you know, I would just say, I wonder if this happened happen if I just stare. And that's what I did. I, you know, a couple times I just, you know, stare and see, and then I see these images form. Then all the back I saw something like a, light bluish color behind me, that flash behind me, and normally I notice when I've been reading things on spirit guides or anything, I notice my my normal colors are pink and green. But mm -hmm. if, I, if I read something about on this subject, I normally get a, like a light blue arc field around me. So I don't know. Well, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know nothing about oral reading. Um, what, you know, 
And I always, I always say, and I'm, I think Annette will agree, that individuals have different abilities. And, That's right. Uh, the more you practice them, the more you hone them, Andrew. So it yeah. sounds like you're on to something that you should practice and be kind of scientific about. You know what I mean? Have a schedule to practice that and keep notes and a journal and all the things you need so you can see progress. You probably experience some shape-shifting when you're standing and looking at your aura in a mirror. What, what, what is that? Shape-shifting oh. is where you see your image change form. And it would give you just omens, signs, messages through what you see your shape shift into. So that gives you some things to look for when you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, take your time. I, don't don't force anything to happen uh, because then you may become disappointed. Just, uh, just take it as it comes along, Andrew. I, I mean, I'm not intentionally going in there and trying to Stir, you know, stir the pot, so to speak. I'm just, I'm always seeing my R, and I'm just like wondering, okay, what happens if I just stare at it, and see if anything pops up? Well, that, what I just said is advice, basically, for everybody out there. It wasn't just, you know, directed know. towards you. Yeah, Andrew, if you can see, if you can see your aura, and you want to study it, I would say that's the best thing to do is follow your instinct, and like I say, keep notes, keep a small journal. It doesn't have to be elaborate. Just, okay, today is blah, blah, blah day, and here's how I felt. I was reading such material, and my aura was this color. Keep notes so you can look back and remember and refine and hone at all times. Yeah. Your your abilities will become sharper and sharper and sharper. Okay. Absolutely. Oh, sorry. All right. Thank you, Andrew. We got okay. uh, about five minutes left, so. Okay? Thank Good you, night. sir. Bye-bye. Okay, and that. It's nice hearing from Andrew again. Very good. Okay. Uh, we had a caller. Caller kind of vanished uh, during that time. Oh, caller, come more? on, call back. <laughs> yeah, we got about six minutes left. Do you have any trolling uh, well, questions? My final question, Ed, and I don't know if you want to go there or not, but I would like to talk about Mickey Shannon for a few minutes. Oh, uh, the wrestling <laughs> stuff? <laughs> it's a part of Ed. Yeah, it's a part. What would you like to know? <laughs> uh, let's see. How about um, how? Did, uh, just very simple. How for those who don't you... know, Mickey <laughs> Shannon was basically the name that I did professional wrestling under during the 1980s time frame. Um, it's funny you go on or I go on the uh, Yahoo groups, you know, the, the talk about that era and. Uh, <laughs> um, Hey, you know, I used to wrestle, da-da-da, my name was, you know. And uh, the response I got was, oh, that was the golden era of wrestling. And it's like, oh, forget it. I don't want to be here no more. Okay, so. uh, (laughs) See, and and I think it's so cool. (laughs) Oh, you know, kid, you know, I loved it. I still love it. And uh, it wouldn't take much money to get me back into it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's keep be, you in one piece, but it's fun to reminisce. Oh, come on. Ric Flair is still bouncing around on the ground, so um, yeah, you know, yeah, he's yeah. older than I am. So, uh, what well, would you I, like remember, I remember Mickey, and I don't feel like a golden era person, so. <laughs> no, I just wanted to hear you talk about it, you know, reminisce a little bit. Yeah, for those how you got How you got started with it, you know, what uh, inspired you to become a wrestler? Uh, because it was something that... I enjoyed watching as a child. 
I told kids in uh, in grammar school, and that, that's what I wanted to do for a living. They laughed at me. Um, so that I think you know me well enough that that's enough of a drive. And uh, I accomplished it. I think at about the age of 21, I found a school here in uh, Chicago, across from the Aragon Ballroom, that uh, was actually teaching it. Um, so you, you took the injuries, you took the hard knocks then to learn it. And then I started working for Vern Gagne. <laughs> and uh, Dick the Bruiser did some a lot of independence um, was big with the independence. Matter of fact, they were putting me over, which means allowing me to win, um, because I was still a small guy out of the yeah. bunch, and uh, so the small underdog winning always went over good. And uh, even with Vern Gagne, they started moving me up the ladder, pretty good. And um, even the champ back then, Stan Hansen, he uh, he put me over big time. Even though he won. He, he 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 allowed because believe me, when a guy's six five, about three hundred and twenty pounds, he allows you or he doesn't. And uh, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even if you try to take it into your own hands, which I did a couple times because uh I was cocky, I spent my time and I wasn't gonna just die on the air. So, um you would take the beatings just to look good. And uh Ganya liked it and he started moving me up the ladder. And uh, Stan Hansen made me look like a superstar, uh, even though he won. But uh, very grateful for that. And uh, it was fun. I loved it. I really loved it. There's some bad rap that's going around about pro wrestling, um, about store use and all that garbage. Well, you know what? It's there. It's existed for, you know, since the 1950s. Uh, Bodybuilders using it back then. Make the stuff damn legal and leave a doctor, you know. If it's not a legitimate type of baseball, football, whatever, leave a doctor overseas the usage of it. And these guys might not be dying from it. Right. Period. Period. Yeah, instead of just taking it into their own hands. Because it, it, used to, it used to be legal until the 90s Yeah. for a doctor to prescribe it. And <clears throat> I'm not saying how I know all this, but when they did prescribe it, they kept blood tests on you once a month and everything else to make sure there wasn't no side effects. So bring it back. That's the way I feel. People are going to do it anyways. It's better yeah. to, you know, keep it controlled substance than, you know, guys dying from it from, you know, oh, I want to get bigger, so I'm going to take more. Well, how are they getting the more? Because it's black market. If it's not black market, guess what? It's a controlled substance, and you only can get it by being medically watched over. So... All right. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I know a majority of people aren't going to go with it, but that's just the way I feel about it. You know? That's fine. That's fine. Okay. Well, Ed, you've been a very good interview. Yes, we got 55 seconds. So, oh, uh, <laughs> that went say, just right. <laughs> I want to say, listeners, thank you for listening. I hope this was entertaining. And, uh, Annette, you did a great job. Uh, I learned to, a lot about you, Ed. <laughs> yeah, you got to know a couple of things that now you're going to have to come back and tell me what to do with. Yeah, I need a little homework now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we'll be on again in two weeks. I don't even have the fadeness idea what that date is, but we'll be on again. And um, join our YAL group, Annette, to keep updated on who our guests will be. And, Annette, thank you very much. Listeners, thank you. 
and good night. Good night.